I'm Jack, and I'm a member of Gilnerk Baptist Church. In this podcast series, we'll be looking at some big questions regarding the Bible and the Christian faith, which we will attempt to discuss in a biblical, rational way. Today, I'm joined by Leslie Hutchison, um, a pastor and lecturer at the Irish Baptist College and fellow member here at Gilnerk. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. Leslie, the overarching question I want to put to you today is the God of the Old Testament a moral monster? Richard Dawkins famously wrote that God, the God of the Old Testament is a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. And some would point to certain passages in Deuteronomy and Joshua as evidence of this claim. How would you respond to that? Well, uh, thanks, Jack. Um, that's a very interesting and relevant question today. This is, as you say, uh, something, an accusation which the sort of new atheists like Richard Dawkins in his book The God Delusion and Christopher Hitchens and others have, have made that uh, in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, um, God is, in their view, a moral monster, that he's um, cruel, bloodthirsty and intolerant, and he's not a, be- a being that is worthy of worship. And as you say, one of the a key accusations they make is that God commanded Israel to totally destroy the Canaanites. And so they allege that he was guilty of ethnic cleansing or, or genocide. And I mean, that is a horrible crime, um, something that is morally reprehensible. Um, we're all very much aware now of um, like what happened in Nazi Germany in the 30s and 40s when Hitler attempted to exterminate the Jews in the concentration camps and maybe as many as six million or more um, were put to death uh, as Hitler attempted um, that um, and that would be universally condemned today. But is, is it right, is it accurate to say that God is guilty of the same thing by what he commanded Israel to do um, in the Old Testament? Uh, and I would say, no, definitely not. Um, and I, I give you a number of reasons why I, I, would, I would say that. First, I think because God's command to Israel to totally destroy the Canaanites when they entered the land, it was not unjust. Uh, it was God's righteous judgment on the Canaanites for their persistent and gross wickedness. God is... Um, a moral being, a holy God. Um, he has revealed himself to be righteous and just. And I believe that what he was doing here um, was that he was condemning the Canaanites um, for their persistent and gross wickedness and um, was commanding Israel to execute his righteous judgment upon them. Um, I mean, the Canaanites were not only guilty of idolatry and all kinds of sexual immorality, um, they were also they also practiced child sacrifice. They would take newborn babies and offer them to their god on um, in in fires. Basically, they would throw newborn babies alive onto this uh, fire as an offering to their god. Uh, this was a, a terrible terrible thing to do and it's because of their wickedness of things like this that God was passing judgment on them 
Um, God didn't do it in a hurry. Uh, way back in Genesis 15, verse 16, uh, when God had promised um, the, that land, the land that came into Abraham and to his descendants, he said he wouldn't give it to them uh, for about another 400 years or so. He says, because the sin of the Amorites, that's one of the Canaanite peoples, had not reached its full measure. Um, in other words, God was not going to punish the Canaanites until it was absolutely clear that it was totally deserved and that they had persisted in it over a period of time. So I would say you know, God is just and patient in carrying out his judgment. So that, that's really the first reason. The second is that God's command to Israel was not ethnic cleansing. It was not motivated by racial prejudice. The Canaanites were punished because of their wickedness, not because they were Canaanites. God did not choose um, Israel to be his people because he considered them to be better um, than anybody else or any other nation. God is not racially prejudiced. He's not biased in favor of any one nation. Um, God chose Israel to be the means by which he would bless all nations. He made that clear to Abraham right at the beginning when he called Abraham and entered into a, um, a, an agreement with him to bless him. He said so that his people, his descendants, would be a blessing to all nations. God commanded Israel to treat the people from other nations who came to live among them with fairness. God warned Israel that if they disobeyed his commands, he would expel them from the land, which in fact he did do. I mean, in, um, uh, the northern tribes, um, Israel, um, were taken, um, were expelled from the land by the Assyrians in 722 BC, and then a couple of hundred years later, 586 BC, um, Jerusalem was captured, and the people of Judah were taken captive to Babylon. So this was God. He, he actually punished Israel as well for their disobedience. So God was not biased. God was not partial. Um, God was not racially prejudiced. God told Israel to destroy the Canaanites because this was his just punishment on them um, and to prevent them from being a corrupt influence um, on Israel. It was not racially motivated. It was not ethnic cleansing. So it was not unjust and it was not ethnic cleansing. And I think I would also add that God's command was not without mercy. Um, if you remember, you know, before Israel um, entered the land of Canaan, they, they sent spies into Jericho, and there was a Canaanite woman, a prostitute called Rahab, who sheltered and protected them because she recognized the God of Israel to be the one true living God. And she received mercy for her and her family, and they were spared. So in the midst of judgment, there were those who found mercy. There's another example of it later in Joshua, where a group called the Gibeonites also um, were spared. So it was, it was just, it was not ethnic cleansing, it was not without mercy. And I think the final thing we need to bear in mind when we read uh, about this, uh, um, what happened in Joshua and, and, and elsewhere, is that God's command to Israel was not intended as a pattern for Christians to follow today. 
Um, this was a unique historical event. Uh, no nation today can claim to be God's special people in the sense that Israel was at that time. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to love their enemies. He told Peter to put away his sword, uh, not to fight, to defend him. Uh, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We are engaged in a spiritual battle today, but our weapons are the gospel, um, prayer, and love. Christians are not to kill to spread the gospel. Rather, they are to be willing to die for the sake of the gospel. We are to be gospel witnesses and peacemakers. So God's command to Israel to destroy the Canaanites was not an act of ethnic cleansing. It was to serve judgment on their sin. It was not without mercy, and it was not intended as an example for Christians to follow uh, today. God is just. He is a righteous judge, but he is also a God of mercy and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yes, and based, based on the evidence um, that you've given there, Leslie, <clears throat> I think you've made five key points about that command that God gave the Israelites. Um, and that God was just, God was patient, that God's command was not anything to do with ethnic cleansing, it was not without mercy, and it is indeed not an example for Christians to follow today. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to go on, Leslie, and ask you a, a question along a similar vein. Um, how would you respond to claims that God appears to be different in the Old and New Testaments? being angry and in the old and then more loving in the new? Well, I think um, that, I mean, that, that is a point of view. Um, uh, and sometimes people use that to try and get round problems like uh, that uh, command to destroy the Canaanites. Um, the problem with it is that I think it just doesn't fit the facts. I mean, if you read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament, um, it doesn't, it doesn't square with that. It's, there isn't a big difference actually between Old and New Testaments when it comes to what they tell us about the character of God. Uh, the Old Testament has as much to say about the love and compassion of God uh, as the New Testament. In every part of the Old Testament, God reveals himself to be loving and merciful and forgiving. Uh, I suppose the classic text for this is in Exodus uh, 34 verses 6 and 7 um, at a time when the people of Israel had committed idolatry they'd um, uh, set up a golden calf and, and they worshipped it um, just at the very time when God was giving the commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai and God was angry with the people of Israel whom he had chosen whom he had redeemed from slavery in Egypt whom he, he he had led out uh, to be his people to worship him in the desert and, and they had committed this serious act of idolatry and, and God and, and Moses pleaded with God to be merciful um, to, the, to his people and, and pleaded with God to um, reveal his glory to him. And in the, the, these verses, it's, we read that the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. 
Uh, and that's how God reveals his glory. That is his glory that he reveals to Moses that he is a gracious and loving and, and forgiving God. And now, he does go on to say that he does not leave the guilty unpunished because he's also just. But there, I think, at this pivotal moment, this crucial moment uh, in the history of Israel, in answer to Moses' prayer, God reveals his glory, and his glory is that he is compassionate and gracious and abounding in love. And that same statement is repeated in several other places throughout the Old Testament. Um, you know, in, in a number of times in the Psalms and, um, and in, in some of the prophets. In the Old Testament, God is revealed as being loving, merciful, compassionate, and forgiving, as well as being just. So that, that's the, in the Old Testament has much to say about the love and compassion of, of God, as much as the New. And when we come to the New Testament, it really has as much to say about the anger and judgment of God as the Old Testament. Um, if we see in Jesus the, our, our, the fullest revelation of God, we see Jesus being angry. Um, there's an incident early in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is described as being angry with the Pharisees when they appeared unmoved by the need of a man with a withered arm uh, for his need for healing. And, and uh, the Pharisees, because of their strict adherence to the, the law, as they saw, felt it would be wrong to do such a thing on the Sabbath. And yet Jesus saw the need that this man was in and was angry. Um, at, at the stubborn attitude of the Pharisees. And of course, there's the incident where Jesus, um, you know, all the gospel writers re report Jesus as clearing the temple of the money changers. Uh, when he saw what they were doing in the temple, which was meant to be a house of prayer, um, devoted to God, uh, and yet they had made it a, a place of business and uh, where they cheated and defrauded people. He made a whip, he overturned the tables, he chased the traitors out and condemned them uh, in no uncertain terms for what they had done. And Jesus is also the one who actually has most to say um, about hell. Um, I mean, um, hell as a place of, of um, punishment for those who have rejected God and have chosen to go their own way. Um, uh, there are 12 references to that in the New Testament, and 11 of those references come on the lips of Jesus. He is the one who uses that to describe the fate of the unrepentant. He's the one who gives the severest warnings about God's judgment. Uh, so Jesus, while we see him, yes, full of love and compassion in how he treats people in need and how he forgives um, sin, um, he also he reveals clearly um, something of God's anger and uh, judgment upon sin. So I think the Bible is consistent both in the Old Testament and New Testament, revealing God as being both a God of love and a God of justice. And I think this is most fully revealed in the cross, where Jesus in his death demonstrates both God's hatred of sin and also his love for the sinner, his justice in punishing sin, and his love in giving his son uh, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. I think there's a, a song by 
uh, Graham Kendrick, which uh, puts it like this, we worship at your feet where wrath and mercy meet. And, and God is both loving and kind and, and forgiving, and he's also righteous and just and uh, punishes uh, sin. And that's true throughout the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Yes, and thank you for, for the evidence you gave there, Leslie, of, of God's consistency through across both Testaments there. Um, and Leslie, one thing you said quite early in that answer, you said God does not leave the guilty unpunished because he is just. And then even when you, when you quoted that song there, um, <clears throat> talking about God's wrath, um, where wrath and mercy meet, um, I wanted to ask you about, about wrath. And the Bible talks a lot about it. Um, and many seem to think that God's wrath is not consistent in both testaments of the Bible. Um, is that the case? Well, again, I don't think so. I mean, you have um, this idea of the wrath of God in both the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. And um, I think the problem that many people have with the idea of, of it, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, is they feel that this is um, somehow offensive. It's, it's unworthy of God. Um, you know, the... The Oxford English Dictionary, or the concise Oxford English Dictionary, actually defines wrath as an old English word meaning extreme anger. Um, when I went to school uh, many years ago, it was at a time when teachers were still allowed to exercise corporal punishment um, on, on really pupils. And I can remember on one occasion when a group of us um, incurred the wrath of the headmaster, we'd committed some I think relatively trivial offence and were sent to stand outside his study. And when he came along and he saw us standing there without asking why we were there, he, he lost his temper, took out his cane and whacked each of us several times. We felt the full fury of his wrath. And sometimes I think when we, we talk about wrath or when we read in the Bible about God's wrath, we think that wrath is like that. It's a, it's, it's a, it means a loss of control. Um, it's something unpredictable, um, excessive, uh, cruel punishment. Um, but God's wrath is not like that. Um, God never loses his temper. Um, he never inflicts excessive or unfair punishments. So I think it would be maybe better to describe it as his righteous indignation. Uh, there are certain things uh, which make him angry but justifiably so. Um, when he sees sin and evil and wickedness and injustice, uh, because he is holy, uh, he hates those things. Uh, and so um, he, that, that's why he's described as being angry or, being, or, or there being uh, wrath. Um, I mean, there is such thing as righteous anger. We've seen in the past few days um, that, that many people are um, angry at what happened to that man, George Floyd, at the hands of the police in, in Minneapolis there just a few days ago, and which caused his death. And so now there are widespread protests at that because the people do feel that there are certain things where the right response really is to be angry, not to be angry. Um, to be indifferent uh, to such things um, is itself um, 
you know, to be condemned uh, morally. Uh, so I think we can say, yes, um, the Bible does talk about the wrath of God. It talks about it both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Um, uh, and in fact, when we, in the New Testament, um, we're told that it is Jesus who comes in order to save us from God's wrath. Um, Romans 5 verse 9 says, since we have now been justified by his blood, that is the blood of Jesus, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? So there is wrath as a, the right um, expression of God's anger uh, and hatred of sin. Um, but God, because he's loving and, and merciful and kind, has sent Jesus into this world to die for our sins, uh, to to take his wrath, God's righteous wrath, upon him so that we might be spared it. And this is one of the great achievements of the cross, one of the great things which Jesus has done for us by his death on the cross, which we could never do for ourselves. And that is he, he saves us from God's wrath. Um, uh, and that's something which um, the, the, there's no other way in which we can um, spare that. This, uh, I think it's quite interesting that in um, one place in the Old Testament, uh, in the prophet Isaiah, talks about um, God's strange work when it comes to his judgment. Um, by strange, he means in a sense that it's, it's, it's something which is foreign to God. It's something which is alien to him. It's something which is not an essential part of his character uh, in the way that love is. You know, God is love. God's essential nature is that he is loving. Uh, God's essential nature is, is not that he's angry or um, uh, um, his anger is only aroused because of sin. If there was no sin, then uh, the, God would never be described as, as angry or there would be, uh, or, or the wrath of God wouldn't exist. It's only because of sin that it, 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 it comes. It, um, uh, so in a sense, it's, it's, um, it's God's strange work it's when he comes in judgment like that. But the great thing is that Jesus, by his death on the cross, has um, propitiated, is the word which is sometimes used. Uh, he has turned aside God's anger or God's wrath. He has satisfied it. He has appeased it. He has, he has saved us from it. Um, and that is something for which um, we should be eternally thankful. You know, the, the Getty hymn in Christ alone has the, the lines in it. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ we stand. So the wrath is found both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But uh, where we thank God is that he has given Jesus to be the one who saves us. Uh, from his wrath. Yes, thank you, Leslie. That's um, very poignant words there on on God's wrath. And I think one of the one of the key things you were talking about there is that God's righteous hatred of sin has not changed. It is the same now, even as it was in the Old Testament. But in His mercy, 
um, he sent Jesus to to bear God's wrath on our behalf. Um, and that, that verse that you cited there in, in Romans 5, it sums it up perfectly, I think. So I'm just going to read that again to close here. So it's Romans 5 verse 9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Thank you so much, Leslie, for um, taking the time to prepare those answers. Um, and thank you to all of you listeners as well for, for tuning in. God bless. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.